Welcome to Interactions with Reality. This is Season 2, Episode 3, and I'm here in the car with my cat. He actually came in the car with me. I don't know if you can hear him purring, um, but he's starting to claw my legs, so I might kick him out here in a second. Um, the car is parked, don't worry. Um, I'm not driving right now. It's 1.44 in the morning, and there's nothing really to do out there, so... I mean, this is in New York or something. Uh, everything closes down around 9 o'clock. Um, really, some places close sooner than that, but 9's pretty much the latest on a weeknight that you can go anywhere of, of note. And anywhere of note happens to be like the gas station or the Dollar Store, Dollar General Store. Um, these are the two closest stores to us. And pretty much the only stores close to us <laughs> so it's a fat ride for everything else i don't know if you can hear but the frogs are singing quite a chorus out there uh see if i can adjust so you can hear it i'm sticking my head out the car door so you can hopefully hear the night sounds the whippoorwills aren't uh, aren't as loud tonight um they're generally much louder I hear one off in the distance, but um, but generally they they sing from much closer um, to our house. <clears throat> so it has been a little while since my last episode, and I actually attempted to record this episode before a few times, and just was never really happy with how it came out. <coughs> So one is I have allergies and stuff, and so I'm coughing a lot and stuff, and that doesn't sound good in an episode. Um, so sometimes I just take it out because of that. Sometimes I just misspeak by a lot, um, just jumble up my words and all that sort of thing. And occasionally I leave that in, but sometimes I edit that out. So, um, And when I say edit that out, I mean I stop the recording, delete it, and re-record. <laughs> That's how I edit. I'm trying to get it to where I can do this all in one shot every single time. And you train like you practice. And long time ago, there was a, a set of movements that I was learning. And it, every time I messed up, even if it was the slightest mess up, my teacher would start me back at the beginning. And we would do this for pretty much the whole class and just go through and, and well maybe not the whole class but but basically we just train perfection and only perfection and it didn't matter if you were you know 23 moves into the form or whatever um if you forgot a move or if you messed up a move or anything like that you started all the way back at square one and a lot of people couldn't handle that kind of teaching um Mainly because a lot of people don't like to, they get, it's easy to get frustrated and quit when things get difficult. Let's just put it that way. But for those who are willing to push themselves past to where it's uncomfortable and they don't want to be doing it anymore and everybody else has gone home, those are the people that get the prize. Hang on just a second. I got to check what my cat's up to. What are you doing back there? What are you doing back there, Tarzan? Don't you claw up that car seat. Silly cat. <coughs> he 
he's back there uh just i'm i'm trying to get him to not destroy our car that wouldn't go over well for me so but he's in a he's in a playful mood and he wants to scratch everything uh cats are are really great animals i recommend cats as a pet um over dogs and the reason i recommend them over dogs is because if they're not on a leash, nobody cares. And if you leave for a day, it'll be okay, <laughs> you know. Whereas if you leave a dog for a day, the thing's like whining and just really wants attention, company, and and it's like the end of the world because they're all alone and they're pack animals and they're not supposed to be locked in a crate all day. That's not how they are in nature. And that that's the sad reality for a lot of dogs. So... Their life is a lot more miserable because most humans can't keep a dog pace. There are humans that can keep a dog pace, and those are few and far between. But a cat pace, a lot of people can keep a cat pace. You can you can have a, a regular 9 to 5 job and have a cat, and your cat will probably barely notice that you're gone. Uh, I mean, he'll notice that you're gone, or she'll notice that you're gone, but, but not... I don't think they really care that much. They just go on to doing something else. They're pretty uh, self-sufficient, and I really like that about cats. Another thing is, when you're walking a cat, you definitely don't have to have them on a leash. <laughs> cats just walk with you. If they like you and you spend a lot of time with your cat, your cat's going to walk with you uh, a lot of the time. Now, they might not walk right with you. I mean, they might run ahead a little bit and then sit and watch things and, you know, do cat things until you catch up. Or they might lag behind and then, you know, meow at you for, <laughs> for you to slow down and check out their cat things. Um, my cat likes to, to meow at me if I, if I go too fast. So that's, uh, yeah, cats for you. But pretty much like you can leave them on their own and they're more or less good. And <clears throat> another thing about cats is they can kill their own food. So if you forget to feed them, it's no big deal because they can just go out and kill something and eat it. And that's that, you know. And uh, I say that like we try to keep our cat. We feed him. We feed him for sure. But we try to keep him a little bit hungry because... Well, it's nice not to have rats around and things like that. So the cat does his job and he kills the things he's supposed to kill and he gets scolded if he kills the things he's not supposed to kill. Like, for instance, there are a flock of guineas that we have and we just added two new birds to the flock. And we were going to add three new birds, but on the day that I added them to the flock, I went down to the the coop that they were in and I opened the door, and there was a chicken snake that had freshly killed one of the three guineas that we had carefully raised from pretty much, like, day two of their life. <coughs> Excuse me. Day two of their life. And, um, yeah, so that chicken snake got one, and then, you know, the, the chicken snake went further into their coop, and I was like, well, you know, they were right on the cusp. I was going to wait a few more days before I introduced him to the rest of the flock and all that sort of thing. But I was like, well, I can't let him stay in a cage with a hungry predator because chicken snakes, after they kill one, if you if you get that one away from them that they killed, they'll just go for another, even if you're right there. I've seen them do it with quail, and they're really kind of an aggressive snake. So, anyway, that 
that snake, uh, well, I let the guineas out and I went up to the house and to, to grab, uh, equipment to end the life of the snake and went back down there. And as I was going back down the hill, the snake had come all the way up and he was in, uh, a little area that's like maybe 25, 30 feet from our house. <laughs> and so I killed him. Yeah. And chopped off his head and then buried him next to the quail that he killed. And that's country life for you. Um, I don't like to kill things. I don't like to kill snakes. I generally leave them be. Um, but if they kill my animals, well, game's over. This is the country. So that said, we had another interesting... Oh, wait, wait. We're, we were talking about my cat. Yeah. So anyway, the cat knows not to kill the guineas. He knows not to attack them. He knows to leave them alone. And he respects the fact that they are our living thing that we brought under our care. And he, he can see and he knows it. Um, so he's he's really pretty a thoughtful cat like that. And I really appreciate that. Now back to snake stories. <clears throat> because we, we're on that. I, I see a good bit of snakes here and there. But I went... There was a long stretch where I didn't see any snakes at all. And then we were at uh, Chuakla Falls. I think it's Chuakla Falls. And saw four snakes in one day there. Two of the snakes were right next to each other. One was, I mean, these three of them were all hiding up under rocks and stuff. And then, and then there was a little garden snake that went over the top of the rock. But since then, I've been seeing more snakes around here um, in general and stuff. And today, I came across a red rat snake, or not a red rat snake, it was a rat snake, but it was uh, it was in contorsis, which, if you don't know what that is, basically, when a snake looks crooked, <laughs> and that that's, I guess, a way to put it, um, they basically, it's like real jagged, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like, almost like a sine wave, I think it's called a sine wave, yeah. But anyway, when the when the snakes all like crinkled up like that, they can't really move. They're you could literally walk up and touch them, and they couldn't really do much about it until they got themselves out of that state. Um, and the state, I believe, is called contorsis. And it's kind of cool when you come across a snake in contorsis, which I've done several times in my life, um, because you can like really you can get good close up pictures of them and and all that sort of thing, provided you have a decent camera on hand. Um, and they're, they're great because you, if you have a group of people or, you know, people that you're educating about snakes and stuff like that, you can just stop and let them get a really good close up view of a snake in a safe way where they don't have to worry about getting bit and all that sort of thing. And the snake, um, is obviously worried about getting bit and stuff, but they can kind of sense your, your energy, your vibes or whatever you want to call it, um. <clears throat> Excuse me. I find that snakes basically want to be left alone. In large part, they want to be left alone. There are some snakes that are, I don't know, it's, it's like sometimes they, they lose a screw or something like that in their head. I'm not sure what exactly happens. But there was a snake, uh, a venomous variety, that... It was like attacking a pool noodle. Well, like I, I, I saw it along the path, like up by our house, and and then uh, 
Yeah, and then it went into my shop area, and it was chewing on a pool noodle. And I use pool noodles for packing material um, because I get them for nothing. And so, yeah. Uh, anyway, this snake literally was attacking a pool noodle, and I just thought that was a little bizarre and all that sort of thing. And I thought it was bizarre that even after I'd seen him and, like, kind of confronted him a little bit with a stick, he still just kind of hung out in the area like, he wasn't going to go anywhere. So, uh, to dispatch that one as well. Um, <clears throat> but for everyone, I, I would say that like in general, I, I don't kill snakes unless they're venomous and close in close proximity or a, just a threat to our animals. But if it's non, non venomous and it's in close proximity to our house, I really don't care as long as it's not like big enough to eat my animals and such I don't really care whatever it's a snake um I work alongside them I don't mind it doesn't bother me but when they cross that line of being kind of slightly aggressive or um you know a threat to myself and others around here and so on and so forth that's that's when it becomes a problem but I don't expect uh, city folks to necessarily understand having to take the life of another animal because you want to live too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> all that said, uh, please, well, you I guess you could email me about this. It doesn't really matter. But, um, but yeah, so snakes, let's see, what, what am I, uh, there's something else I was going to do a, a podcast bit on. Um, oh yeah, the gardens. Yeah, so speaking of snakes and gardens, let's let's put those two together. Why not? All right, so I build hugel culture, hugel mounds, stuff like that. So I provide a ridiculous amount of habitat for snakes. So they can basically live and thrive and be happy and all the food they want because I provide the habitat for their food as well and all that sort of thing. Um, and, and they're in good, safe locations and all that stuff. And they're generally out of the way. And the hugel mounds actually keep them out of the way and keeps them out of the path in, in general. Um, it's pretty rare to see a snake outside of one of those because in hugel mounds, they, they start... All right, I start them by basically just making a giant pile of sticks. And that's often the beginning. Um, just, you know, if, I, if I'm clearing lawn debris or something like that, just put all the sticks in one pile kind of thing. So that's the base. So oftentimes in some of the hugel mounds I make, and not all of them because, well, for other reasons, but, but basically I like to have a little bit of a loose center in some of them for animals, for snakes, for all kinds of whatever, you know. Uh, birds really like to be in those stick piles and all that stuff too. Um, I like doing that but it's not good for all plants it's not good to have the air gaps in there per se um i mean it can be depending on what you're growing but it can also hinder certain things so i make some hugel mounds solid where there's no real air gaps at all and i believe that's the preferred method overall I just do both methods because, well, I like to experiment and I also like to provide habitat. <clears throat> All right, let's see here. What other 
fun things have we been doing over here? Uh, got more fencing, um, putting it up. That's a slow process. I have to set poles, and then there's one section where I have to do a lot of hand digging. It's like we're on a hill, and I want the fence to go smooth in one line rather than jaggedy. And so I actually have to dig down part of the hill, maybe like a foot and a half down. And I would say it's maybe like a hundred foot that I got to go with that to get the fence smooth all the way across. And so that's a bit of a pain, but I'm just tackling it a little bit at a time. Just doing, you know, I, I find that if I do too much shoveling in a day, I can really get hurt. And then I have to recover for several days. And so it's nicer just to dig for like an hour or two and then go on to something else. And the same with a lot of other tasks. Like I really like to to keep it moving, keep it changed up because if I don't I end up I end up hurting a lot. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah, that's uh the lemongrass is doing great. The I've got jalapeno pepper on. I just harvested a bunch of cucumbers yesterday and I believe that I'll have another wave of those here within about a week, maybe sooner. And then let's see all the herbs, the garden herbs and stuff like that. I've got a good collection of those going and many of them in usable quantities and many of them are already finding their way into our meals and, and so on. We actually quite a bit off the garden. Um, I got Malabar spinach going which is really, it's like a vine spinach. Um, but my wife thinks it tastes like mold a little bit. It doesn't, like it's just the the flavor of the plant itself. It's not actual mold. There's no mold on it. Um, no even hints of mold on it. But it's got that little like, uh, it's it's got a, a weird like kind of musty flavor to it that's unique. Um, not just to that plant, but... It's it's definitely unique to that plant, but it's it's um found in other areas in nature as well. <clears throat> I like it. I eat them. Um, she doesn't, and so they don't make it into our meals very often. Um, let's see. I'm using um a lot. I noticed that in in my podcasting in general, it's actually really helped me to become more aware of my speech patterns and stuff like that. So if I'm saying um and uh and stuff like that a lot, it's because I'm not very good at this yet. So deal with it. Uh, I'll get better, I'm sure. Um, just going to take some practice to get there. If you want to support the show and you want to support us or whatever... Um, you can make a donation via PayPal, um, birthrightexplored at gmail.com is the PayPal email address to send it to. And let's see, what other things? Oh, there was one more thing I wanted to cover. Oh yeah, rocks. I recommend that if you have a garden, you go out to cool places, waterfalls and mountains and rivers and creeks and etc 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 and you create great memories with your friends and your family and whoever else and uh, and then you take one rock and you bring it back and you put it in your garden and then when you're gardening and stuff like that and you see that rock it's like ah, I remember that time with those friends and all that sort of thing so it's kind of like a little callback for a lot of interesting road trips and all those sorts of fun things 
And I recommend only getting like one or two rocks from each place. Like don't don't go nuts and just fill your trunk with rocks all the time. But because <clears throat> it's it's important to leave some for other people. And try not to take I don't know, I, I try to like go a little further down the trail to get a rock or something where the average people probably wouldn't go for a rock. But yeah, anyway, rocks uh, in the garden are great memory tools and they it's it's one of those things where when I look at my garden it makes me really happy to see all the trips we've taken and fun things we've gotten to do along the way. All right, well, that's all for now. This episode is probably not the best one I ever produced, but YOLO. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll probably do another one soonish, maybe.